You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. I'm Pastor Craig Beeman. Today, Joseph's Grace and Forgiveness. Joseph's Grace and Forgiveness. Today, on Words of Encouragement. We continue looking at the great stories of the Bible today. Let's review. I like to review a little bit since this story has gone more than one Sunday for Joseph. Uh, some who may not have been with us on this journey with Joseph the past few weeks. So Joseph is the son of Jacob or Israel. Uh, he is favored by his father and is given a very nice multicolored coat. Jealousy rages in the hearts of his half-brothers and they sell him into slavery He's taken then to Egypt to be a slave to Potiphar. He has a run-in with Potiphar's wife, which lands him in jail. Dreams are dreamed by fellow prisoners and interpreted by Joseph. Later, Pharaoh has a dream, and we talked about that, and Joseph is summoned to interpret the dream. Joseph shares that dream, or that the dream Pharaoh has means there will be seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. The Pharaoh is happy to have his dream interpreted and places Joseph second in command of all of Egypt. We join the story as the truth of the dream is coming to pass. If you are able and willing, I ask that you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God from Genesis chapter 41, verses 46 through 49. Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly, or in great measure, uh, in a great abundance. So he gathered all the food of these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt and placed the food in the cities. He placed in every city the food from its own surrounding fields. Smart. Thus Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. May God bless the reading of His Word. I invite you to be seated this morning. It's amazing to me. It was beyond measure. I mean, they just stopped measuring it because it was just so much. Ever been? Well, I started to say, if you ever felt like that, you probably just did Thursday, didn't you? There's so much, I can't eat it all. But you sure, well, no. Some of us may have tried, though. Goodness. But it was so much, it was beyond measure. I mean, God had, seven years, they're blessed. He'd be blessed in abundance with grain and food, just all of this stuff. So Joseph, uh, we, the first thing we see is that Joseph has children and the famine arrives. Look at verse 50. Now, before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for, he said, God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. Okay. Verse 52, he named the second Ephraim, for, he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. I love how each time he calls his son's names, he is reminded, he's reminded of, with Manasseh, he's reminded of forgetting his, 
uh, family, and, and he's also reminded of the fruitfulness of his present situation. Every time he calls his son's name, I mean, the meaning of the name is in his head, it has to be. I would think there's a, still a question as to forgetting uh, his family, though, if every time he called Manasseh, he remembered, oh, that's supposed to mean forget my family. <laughs> I would think Manasseh would remind him of what he was supposed to forget. Anyway, he has these two sons, and the famine begins. Look at verse 53. When the seven years of plenty which had been in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph had said, then there was famine in all the lands. But in all the land of Egypt, so when all the land of Egypt had famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, you shall do. When the famine was spread over all the face of the earth, then Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. The people of the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the earth. Just as Joseph had interpreted from the dream that Pharaoh had, here it is, here are, here's the beginning of seven years of famine on the land. Everything is moving according to God's plan here. Joseph has simply told Pharaoh what his dream meant, and here it is. And he advised him to save the overage from the seven good years to be able to survive the seven bad years. Good, good thinking, smart thinking. You know, sometimes we get money and we think, oh, I've got money. And we go spend it and then, uh-oh, we don't have any money till the next check. What happened? Yeah, well, you, you got to save. You got to figure out how to manage it. And Joseph has given them good advice to save this food, save it up, store it up. Egypt is going to make it through the bad years because of what Joseph told them to do. It's amazing to me to see what happens when one follows God's leadership in their lives. It's amazing to see what happens when one of us says, Okay, God, I'm going to do what you've told me to do. It's amazing to watch and see God work. Joseph has been placed in the number two position in all of Egypt and the Pharaoh trusted him because remember why? God was... What about you? Have, you? have you sought the direction of God in your life? Now look, you may say, you may be sitting here this morning thinking, well now, preacher, and my goodness, now I, I don't think God wants me to be a missionary some, in some foreign country right now in my life. Well, He may not be, but He does have direction for you in your life even today. Some of us think, well, that's what we think of when we're graduating from uh, high school. What are we going to do? God, what do you want me to do? Well, you know, you need to be thinking about that before the end of high school even. What is it? God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, God? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How do you want to use me, God? We've given ourselves over to Him, and so now we say, hey, show me. Show me the way. Where, where, where do I need to go? If you've if you, if you have not asked God for direction in your life, if you've never done that, you may be sitting here this morning in a place that you never thought you would be. Not, and I'm not saying, oh, I'm in the church. No, in your life, you may, be sit, you may be in a spot that you never thought you would be because simply you've not asked God to show you the way, show you and give you direction. It's important to follow God's leadership 
in your life. There's so much that God wants to do through you. And I really, truly believe, really, truly, that we miss out on so much that God wants to do through us. Simply because we've never, we're not listening to Him. When He says, go here, do this, and we say, ah, maybe not. We're missing out on something. We're missing out on a blessing. The blessing of being used by God Himself when we say to ourselves, well, I just don't have time. Well, I don't know about that. I, I don't, I don't want to, well, I don't know. What, what, if, I give my, if I ask God to tell me where to go, what if He tells me? Well, preacher, then i got to go. I don't want to do that. Oh, my. Do you not? Can you afford not to? Can I afford not? If God is leading us in a certain direction, we need to move. We need to go. And I truly believe that we miss out on a lot because we do not simply follow when He leads. The first question I have for you, are you following the direction of God in your life? Are you following the direction of God in your life? The direction of God came to Joseph, and Joseph told the Pharaoh, y'all got to save some food now. Y'all got to put some of this back. You've got to put some of this in storehouse. We're going to use this later because the famine is coming. And they listened to him, and good things happened. You and I, when we listen to the direction of God, good things will happen. We can do what he wants us to do if we will simply follow him. Simply follow. The next thing we see, Joseph's family decides to make a trip for much-needed grain. You know, they're in another spot. They're in another place geographically. They're they're in a place of need. They are in need of food. Look at uh, chapter 42, verses 1 through 3. Now, Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. Aha! There's grain over there. We got to go. We got to go. And I love this first verse. Now, Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. So he sees there's a way to get some food for the family. And Jacob said to his sons, catch this, Why are you staring at one another? What are y'all doing? Y'all just staring, y'all just sitting around, Oh man, we're hungry. I mean, why are y'all staring at each other? What what are you doing here? Uh, He says in verse 2, Behold, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from that place so that we may live and not die. We're hungry. Now, y'all got to do something about it. Now, come on. I'm the daddy. I'm telling you what to do. Go down and get some grain. Verse 3, Then ten brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. So Jacob's looking after his family as any father would do. Somebody's hungry. Is there somebody among our family that is hungry? Give them food. Is there somebody, is there, is there a child who is crying, needing food? Well, here it is. That's what you do as a parent if your child is hungry. And so here is Jacob, and he is providing for his family. Uh, and, and, you know, you would think that they could have just figured, tried to figure out a way to help in the situation, but they were just sitting there staring at each other. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. What are we going to do? There's a lot of people like that in this world. What are we going to do? I don't know. I don't know what to do. Well, my goodness, here's the solution. Here's some. It's time to get up and go and do, and here it is. And so Jacob says, look, go buy some grain for crying out loud. So look at verse 4. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin. Notice it said ten. Ten brothers went, not, but did not send brother Benjamin with his brothers. For he said, I am afraid that harm may befall him. Now, where in the world would Jacob be concerned about Benjamin? 
his then, at that point, youngest son? What, why would he be concerned? Because he already lost Joseph. He didn't know what happened to Joseph. He thinks Joseph got mauled by an animal. So it's just terrible. What happened to Joseph? So Jacob has a right, and he says, wait a minute, no, I'm not going to send Benjamin because uh, I'm scared. So the, so, so the famine is, what, what's the famine doing? It's bringing Joseph's brothers to him. Ah, family reunion time. Almost, almost. I love when we read the Scripture and see how God moves people to where they need to be. I love it. You see it in Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. You know, you see how He moves them. Certain things happen and then all of a sudden there they are in Bethlehem having a baby. And, and, and God has moved things in a way that seems to us... Well, they had a census. They had to go, you know, the hometown. That's what they do. That's what you do. You got, you got to go be counted. And that's what they were doing. And they were counting. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, you mean that was God? You mean God was behind that to move Joseph and Mary to, to Bethlehem? Oh, wow. Yeah, we don't get it many times what God is doing and how he works till after the fact. And so I love this. He's bringing the brothers to Joseph. Look at verse 6. Now Joseph was the ruler over the land. He was the one who sold to all the peoples of the land, all the people of the land. And Joseph, Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Where have I heard that before? Have I heard something about that? Something about grain and sheaves and bowing down to Joseph? What in the world? Yeah, there was a dream. You remember the dream? This is really interesting. Here they are living out the dream. They're not living the dream, but they're living out this dream. And they were like so upset with Joseph. This is never going to happen. What do you mean? We're going to bow to you? What is this? Oh, Wow. Somebody, somebody, somebody's getting, you know, somebody got some, uh, somebody has a little headway, has made a little headway here. Joseph, uh, boy, look at that. Isn't that interesting? Uh, here it is. It's made real. They are bowing down to him. And they didn't, oh, they didn't like that dream. That was horrible. No, no, no. But here they are. But they don't know it's Joseph at this point. Joseph knows it's them, though. He knows these are his brothers. I mean, he looks and says, oh my goodness, there they are. These are my brothers. Now, they're looking at him thinking, I don't know what happened to him. He's, he got sold. He's, he's somewhere in Egypt probably here, but we don't know. where." At this point, they don't know him. Now, Joseph disguises himself and he asks them where they're from. They tell him, well, we're from the land of Canaan and we've come to buy food. Uh, Daddy sent us. We've got to get some food. Joseph accuses them of being spies. They deny it. And they revealed that they have all come, uh, save their youngest brother. Uh, they left him back home. Joseph then demands that they cannot leave until the younger brother comes to Egypt. So he puts them in prison for three days. Now, it is hard not to think that Joseph here is having a little fun with his brothers. It's hard not to think that he's, you know... He's kind of making them uncomfortable. He's kind of, nah, I don't want to say getting them back. I don't want to say the word revenge, but he's trying to teach them something. He has a reason for doing what he's doing. 
He, so, so he puts them uh, in prison for three days. He then decides to allow them to go back home, uh, but they've got to leave one of the brothers. They still need to bring, though, their brother Benjamin back when they come. Well, look at verse uh, 21, chapter 42, verse 21. The Bible says, Then they said to one another, Truly we are guilty concerning our brother, because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us. Yet we would not listen. Therefore his distress has come upon us. So the brothers see it this way. Uh-oh, we're getting payback for what we did to Joseph. Oh my goodness, we're getting payback. Oh, this is horrible. Oh my, this is what's happening. Now they're talking among themselves. They said to one another, verse 21 says. They're thinking that they're getting paid back for what they did to their brother Joseph. Then Reuben speaks up. Look at verse 22. Reuben answered them saying, Did I not tell you? Do not sin against the boy and you would not listen? Now comes the reckoning for his blood. Here it comes. We're going to get it now because we messed up. We mistreated our brother. Here it is. It's coming to take us away. Now Joseph hears this conversation. It moves him to tear. The Bible tells us he left them, but soon came back, and he took, takes Simeon from them, and he ties him up. He gives orders for, for the money that they paid for the grain to be put back in their bags of grain, to be put in the bags of grain. He's taking care of his family, although they are unaware of what he has done. They have their grain. They bought the grain. They're going home. They're like, okay, here we go. Later, one of them finds the money in his bag. And the Bible says their, their hearts went out. Their hearts sank. <gasps> oh, my goodness. They had said they were innocent. They had said they, they were not spies. They had told Joseph, we're not spies. Oh, my goodness. No, no, no. We just came to buy grain. Oh, and now here's the money in our bags. It's going to look like we, we never paid. It looks like they stole their money back. And they, in turn, blame this on God Himself. What is He doing to us? Why is God doing this? What is He doing to us? What's happening? The, the, they, they make it back home, and they tell their father everything. Oh, this is what happened. This is what happened. We got out there, we, we, we bought the grain, and then we were accused of being spies, and then, oh my goodness, we've got the money. Well, now the food lasts a good while. Now they tell their father everything. I like we got to take Benjamin back there, but you're not gonna like that. Uh, it's not gonna be good. Uh, but the food lasts a good while. But they soon, of course, need more. So their father sends them back to Egypt to buy more food. They remind him, you know, Daddy, we got to bring Benjamin with us. I I know you don't like that, but it's not gonna be good for us if we don't bring him with us. Their father's hurt. Their father's troubled over this. But Judah, the one who behaved very poorly, to say the least, in chapter 38, offers himself up to protect Benjamin. Judah pipes up and says, hey, I'll take care of Benjamin. We'll take him back. It'll be okay. I will take care of him. Huh? Whoa, interesting. A change, it seems, has appeared in Judah here, but I just I don't know about this. Look, at verse, uh, look, at, look over at chapter 43. Verses 13 through 15. Take your brother also, in other words, Judah take, Benjamin, and arise, return to the man. Don't know who the man is. Uh, we know, it's Joseph. But he doesn't. Uh, return to the man and, and, and may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of the man so that he will release to you your other brother and Benjamin 
And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. I lose them. But we need food. We need food. No, uh, look at verse 15. So the men took the, this present. Now, they, now uh, jo, uh, Jacob had said, look, y'all need to take some stuff back with you. In fact, you need to take the money and more money, a lot of more money, and some other gifts when you go. And so the men took this present and they took double the money in their hand and Benjamin. Then they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. Oh boy. Wow. I mean, this, look, and really it has been a movie moment because they've made movies about this. But it's just, you can see it in your mind. Here they are. They're standing before Joseph once again. Now Joseph is testing them. He's testing them here. Joseph uh, also can finally now lay eyes on his brother Benjamin. Benjamin's alive. Benjamin, I see him. I get to see him again. He alerts the staff to slay an animal and have them eat with him at noon. The brothers then speak with the man, bringing them to Joseph's house, uh, explaining that they found money. Uh, We found money in our grain. When we took the grain back to Daddy, we found some money and... We're real concerned about this because we don't want him to accuse us of stealing the money back. And we're really, we're really upset about this. Um, and so they, they tell the man about this. Now look at verse uh, 23. Bible says, He said, Be at ease. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought some. Wow. So Joseph's father had said, look, you, you got to bring these gifts. You do this, and, and, and they do that. Well, Joseph asks them, how y'all doing? How's, how's your father? How's your father doing? Look at verses 29 through 31. And he lifted his eyes. There's the phrase again. And he, as he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, He said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? He knows it is, but he wants him to just say it. And he said, may God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph hurried out, for he was deeply stirred over his brother. Now look, Joseph, emotional man here, isn't he? He's very emotional. He's he's very stirred over his brother. He sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face, came out, and he controlled himself and said... Serve the meal. Let's eat. Let's eat together. Let's eat. Joseph, tri- Joseph is, uh, he tricks them another time as, as they leave. He, he's, he's doing something else. He's, he's kind of messing with them again. His cup, his cup, his special cup is placed in Benjamin's bag. And not, after, not long after that, that they leave Joseph. Uh, he sends a man after them to question uh, about stealing the cup. So he lets them get out of ways, and then he sends a man. Okay, now, uh, not a, he, you know, he, he, what, sundial? He looks at his sundial. Okay, send him out. Go, go chase them down and, and, and accuse them of stealing the cup. And so the man heads out, all right? So, so, but they deny it. When he gets there, he says, you stole a cup. Oh, no, 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 we didn't do anything. And then the cup is found in Benjamin's sack. So here they go. They go back to Egypt. Look at, look at chapter 44, verse 33. 44, verse 33. 
Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the, of the lad, a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? For fear that I see the evil that would overtake my father. Now who is this talking? This is Judah. Judah. Judah, the one who had just acted so poorly in the past toward Joseph and, and just in his own personal life, he offers himself up to Joseph as a slave in place of his brother. Let Benjamin go home. I will be your slave. You send Benjamin home to daddy. Benjamin's got to come home. He's got to be able to come home. Joseph sees the change in his brother Judah. Judah's changed. Judah's not the this is what the testing is about. Joseph is seeking to see if there is some sort of change in his brother's attitudes. Have they grown up at all? Have they learned anything at all in growing up? You know, we all mature, I pray. I pray that we all grow in knowledge and in wisdom as we grow. In other words, I pray we've learned some lessons in our own lives as we've grown up. And so Joseph is hoping and praying that his brothers have grown up some and, and, and see maybe the error of their ways and see what they've done and that it was wrong. Is there a change in their attitudes, he wants to know. Well, what about you? What about you? Joseph has allowed an opportunity for his brothers to come before him and to prove themselves. What about you? What about me? Have we had someone in our lives who has, who has exhibited poor and just bad behavior and we've said, well, that's who they are. We've stamped a mark on them. That's who they are. And we've not allowed them to change. Do you have somebody in your life like that? Do you have somebody that you've just said, well, that's how, the way they are. It's just the way they are. Uh, I, they'll never change. You may have even said it. They'll never change. Let me say this with all that I can muster. With Jesus, there is always hope that change can happen. There is always hope. We have hope in Christ. And if you are sitting there here this morning thinking, well, there's no way so-and-so is ever going to... Oh, no, Brother Craig, they proved themselves over and over and over, and they're just never going to... Do not say that. You say that. You are limiting Almighty God Himself. You are saying that God cannot change that person. You are saying that there is no hope for that person. And you are, you are relegating them to a place of, they'll never change. You've marked them, you've put them in a room, you've put them in a box, and you've said to them, they'll... people can change. And through Christ it is possible. Will you allow that person in your life to, to reform their ways, to show you that they've truly changed? Will you give them the opportunity? And will you give them one more? Will you allow them to show you they've changed if they are declaring that they have changed? Will you do that? Joseph is testing his brothers. He's trying to find out, have they changed? Have they changed? But he's giving them the opportunity to prove themselves. He's not written them off. He's not said, my brothers treated me this way. I'm never going to talk to them again. I never want to be near them again. I don't want to have any associations with them again. I'm cut off from my family now. I never want to have any kind... I don't even want to speak their names ever in my life again. He's not done this. 
He's allowing them to prove themselves, and that is huge. That is a huge lesson that you and I can both learn or need to learn. Are you willing to allow change in the lives of those who have wronged you? Are you willing to allow them to change and be better? It's tough. Oh, I don't know. I just don't think of Well, they act nice. You know, Brother Craig, they're nice to me when they see me, but, but I just don't believe. Are you going to give them the opportunity to prove they've changed? I pray you will. Joseph, the last thing here we see is that Joseph tells all and shows grace and forgiveness to his brothers. Look at, look at uh, let's say, chapter 45, verses 1 through 9. Listen to this. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He didn't want, he didn't want to see anybody, you know, don't, don't look at me. Don't, don't see me cry. I don't want anybody to see me cry. My brothers, they can see it, but not everybody. They're family. I don't want anybody else to see Everybody out of here. But verse 2 says, He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard of it, or heard. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. <laughs> What? You're our brother? You're Joseph? They couldn't talk. <laughs> they could not speak. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Listen to that. Listen to those words. Don't be angry. Don't be upset. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be uh, neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent, sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here. Here we go. The credit goes to who? Who? God, but God, and He made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. Four times Joseph mentions God in this passage we just read. Four times. It's not about Joseph, it's about God. It's about him and what he is doing. Joseph is simply the instrument through which God's kingdom work is being uh, carried out and accomplished. After some time, Joseph's father died. He told his sons where he wanted to be buried. Listen to uh, chapter 49, verse 33. 49, 33 says, And when Jacob finished charging his sons, Jacob the daddy finished charging his sons, he, told them, he had told them where to bury him, he drew his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Wow. Wow. Joseph wept. He mourned. Even the Egyptians wept. Listen to uh, chapter 7 through 9 of chapter 49. Let's see if I can get it over here. The Bible says, 
Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. What? Your hand shall be on the neck of your, of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who dares rouse him up? There's a huge funeral procession that, that occurs here. Joseph went to bury his father, and with him all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. So they're all going up. This is a massive uh, funeral procession. All the household of Joseph, his brothers, his father's household, they left only their little ones and their flocks in the land of Goshen. So they're all, this is a massive movement of people here. They also went with him, both chariots and horsemen. And the Bible tells us it was a great company. A great company. They make it to the land of Canaan and they bury him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre or Hebron. Look at verse 15 in chapter 50. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, now this is now obviously they knew, but the way the writing in the Bible tell, you know, the way it's written, the way this the way they they used their, the language then, uh, he, they're telling us, okay. They decided at this point. So when Joseph's fathers, or brothers, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? <gasps> oh my! They get a little nervous over this and about this. They're worried about their own lives. Look at verse 16. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father charged before he died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, and Daddy told him. Daddy said, look, you need to tell Joseph this. Please forgive me. I beg you the transgression of your brothers and their sin. For This is Daddy talking to the boys. Told him, look, you better tell Joseph this. You better tell them that, that, that I said this. Please forgive. I beg you the transgression of your brothers and their sin. For they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of, of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in God's... For am I in God's place? Am I God? That's what he's asking. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Wow. Where are you if you're Joseph? If you're Joseph in this story, where are you at this point? Are you forgiving your brothers? Are you treating them nicely? Or are you holding the grudge and saying, no, uh, 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 no, 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 oh, no. I spent years out of my family unit, out of my family household. I spent years away from my family. I didn't get to see any of the rest of you grow up. I didn't even get to spend time, quality, good quality time with my father after the time I left. This is no, 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 no. But Joseph doesn't do this. Joseph doesn't do this. He forgives. He treats them, he speaks kindly to them. He's even going to take care of them and their families. He's going the extra mile here. 
You and I would say, well, he doesn't have to do that. Joseph doesn't have to do this. What in the world? He doesn't have to do all this. But he has, and he is. Joseph could because he was able to see a bigger picture. He was able to see that God was in control. Remember, life is temporary. It cannot be lived to its fullest abundance if there is division between you and another person. That's how vital it is to forgive. Let me say that again. Your, your life cannot be lived to its fullest abundance if there is division between you and another person. You can't truly live the way God wants you to live if you're holding a grudge against somebody. It's, that's just it. That's just the way life is. So I would beg of you, if you have someone you've not forgiven, let it go. Do not let it ride on top of you. Do not let it be a cloud on, on your life that follows you around, a dark cloud all the time. Don't, don't live that way. God doesn't mean for you to live that way. Give that person forgiveness. Are you following the direction of God in your life? That's the first question. Are you willing to allow change in the lives of those who have wronged you? And the third question is, are you willing to forgive and have grace toward those who have mistreated you? Oh man, preacher, you can preach it. You can say that. But have you ever had to do it? Yeah, I've had to do it. I've had to forgive people who've mistreated me. You know what? It's one of the best things I ever did. And yes, I went back. Years after high school, I went back. Actually, college. It was college. I went years after college. I went back, tracked down some guys who had mistreated me, and I asked forgiveness for my feelings toward them. Well, Brother Craig, you didn't have to do that. Yeah, I did. Yes, I did. I didn't, have to, I didn't need that in my heart against someone else. I didn't need to have it. And I asked them, and they said, Oh, no, it's just, we were all young. We were all, I said, Yeah, but it was wrong. It was wrong of me to feel that way toward you. And I forgive you for the way you treated me. I just, I, and I, I just asked forgiveness for the feelings I had against you. We can't live in an abundant life if we've got a grudge against someone else. Look, Joseph, Joseph, his story, wow, wow, it's possible. Joseph wasn't supernatural, he wasn't divine, he was a human being who followed the Lord. You and I are human beings who follow the Lord. We follow Him and we can accomplish much because He will enable us. I hope that you are following the Lord. I hope that when you hear His voice, you will follow Him and do what He wants you to do. Maybe, maybe you can't hear His voice. Maybe you are not one of His children. Let me encourage you to investigate what it means to be a child of God. It doesn't mean just because you were born into this world you're a child of God. You and I must be born again. We must ask Jesus to come into our hearts, to forgive us of our sins, and to be in charge of our lives. And look, once you do that, you are a part of God's family and you are one of His children. And then you can hear His voice. He has an assignment for each one of us, for you, for me, for each one of His children. He has a reason why we're here. And so I hope and pray that you will give it due time and uh, due effort. Uh, investigate what it means to be one of God's children, what it means to be a Christian. Don't just don't just uh, don't don't just look at at a Christian you know and say, well, I, they're not perfect. I don't want to be. I, I don't have to be like them. Well, no, they're not perfect. None of us are. But I hope and pray that if we are Christians, that we are showing you 
what it really means to follow Jesus. I hope that by our actions and our words, we are showing you uh, that we are being an example to you. If we mess up, I pray that we make it right. Uh, but we're not perfect. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, not 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 his children as much as, as look to him. Uh, that's what I really want you to do. I want to encourage you to look in to what it means to be one of God's children. If you, if you need more information, you can contact us at fbcwinsboro.com. That's fbcwinsboro.com. And you can find answers to many of your questions right there, or you can contact us right there through that website. Thank you for joining us today for Words of Encouragement. Until next time, may God richly bless you 